0: The Supreme Court ruled yesterday in one of the top business and civil rights cases of its nine-month term, and it was one of those rulings that's somewhat open to interpretation. An issue was whether the city of Miami could sue Wells Fargo and Bank of America for allegedly discriminatory lending practices. Miami said those practices contributed to urban blight, costing the city tax revenue and forcing it to spend more on police and fire services. Justice Stephen Breyer's opinion said cities had the right to sue under the Federal Fair Housing Act. But Breyer went on to say that Miami had to show that it was directly harmed by a discriminatory practice, a standard that the dissenting justices said the city wouldn't be able to meet. So what does this important decision mean? Our guests are two people who have been following the case closely – David Gans of the Constitutional Accountability Center, he helped file a brief that urges the court to let the suit go forward. And Matthew Nelson of the law firm Warner Norcross and Judd, he filed a brief backing the backing the banks for DRI, which is a trade group that represents defense lawyers. David, your group is calling this ruling a victory. Uh, what did you see in Justice uh, Breyer's opinion that you liked?
1: Well, so I think this is an extremely important ruling that says cities can sue to hold banks accountable for housing discrimination. Uh, uh, the court, you know, in line with what it has said in prior cases, said under the Fair Housing Act there's a very broad uh, group of people who can get into the courthouse door to sue. That includes both those who have been directly injured as well as um, as others like cities. And the court rested its its holding on the fact that uh, in, I think, four past cases, the court had affirmed a very broad view of who could sue uh, under under the Fair Housing Act, and the court said Congress had ratified that, and so based on that reasoning, the city could sue. So this is a kind of a, a very important affirmation that cities play a crucial role in vindicating the promise of racial equality that the, the Fair Housing Act protects.
0: Matthew, it wasn't a total win for cities, and it's going back to the lower court. So how do you consider this ruling?
2: Well, I think that the ruling is a win for the civil justice system in that it reaffirms that liability only attaches to the direct consequences of misconduct, which is a principle that our legal system has held to for more than a century. And the idea here is that um, that the alleged discriminatory lending here has to have directly caused injuries to the city of Miami for the city of Miami to recover damages. So although the court has said that the city of Miami can maintain the lawsuit, they've remanded for the lower courts to determine whether or not the city of Miami's injuries are direct. And here, if you imagine that, for example, you have a neighbor who has a loud party that keeps you up, resulting in you giving an ineffective presentation to a client that results in lost business, that results in decreased revenue for you, and layoffs of your employees, you see that at the end of that chain, you wouldn't want the, you wouldn't want to be able to have someone say, I can sue my neighbor for the party that kept me up. And here too, that's the question now that the court has to consider: is the city of Miami too far? detached from the actual discriminatory alleged discriminatory practices to be able to actually recover damages
0: david justice thomas in dissent said that the majority opinion he said quote leaves little doubt that neither miami nor any similarly situated plaintiff can satisfy the rigorous standard for proximate cause that the court adopts that's that that's i think what matt was talking about there um is justice thomas right and if he is right uh, how, how is this a victory for your side
1: no, I don't think he's right. I think uh, Justice Thomas and the other dissenters would have just said these cases should be dismissed, and the court did not do that. They uh, they said that the lower court had applied the wrong standard, but they said go back and uh,
2: you know and and
1: flesh out uh, what proximate cause means in this context. And you know, it's important. It's not just a standard that applies the same throughout, but it's uh, sensitive to uh, the particular statute, and under the Fair Housing Act, I think you know the same this, this the same idea that those who should be able to sue to vindicate the act is 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 was written by Congress to be broad, and 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 those same principles sort of play in when you're analyzing proximate cause. But that's an issue that the court uh, didn't uh, didn't decide, and that's an issue that uh, I expect the the parties will sort of continue to fight about. It's an issue that may come back at a, at a further step, but, but uh, going forward, these cases will, uh, will continue, and the parties will be going back to court to argue uh, uh, what proximate cause means uh, under the Fair Housing Act.
0: Matt, were you surprised that Chief Justice John Roberts joined the court's four liberals in the majority?
2: Uh, not based on the, the oral argument. After the oral argument, it seemed that um, that the city was likely to prevail on the, um, on the on the standard that used to be called prudential standing. Um, but the, um, uh, with regard to, uh, I think that the, one of the reasons that the chief justice did feel comfortable joining the majority is the fact that they did not uh, determine that the foreseeability analysis that the 11th Circuit had adopted with regard to proximate cause was sufficient, but instead did remand with instructions that they uh, look to the standards that have been imposed by the court in other cases that typically require uh, that sort of direct connection for proximate cause uh, that seems to be lacking here.
0: David, how common are suits like this by by cities, and and are there any other types of of suits that could be affected by this ruling in addition to suits by cities?
1: Well, so I mean, there is a history of suits by cities under uh, the Fair Housing Act. The court rested uh, its analysis very heavily on on uh, I think a 1979 case involving a suit by a city. That I think there are also similar. Suits that are similar to the Miami case that are going on in in uh, other jurisdictions uh, across the country and you know it it sort of it's it, it reaffirms that it's not only those who are who are direct victims of discrimination but cities uh, have an interest in enforcing uh, fair housing laws and 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 uh, preventing and redressing discrimination that that harms uh, the cities themselves so uh, I, you know I think it 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 kind of is is a restatement that cities are are important actors and they have an important role to play in enforcing uh, the promise of equality that the... That's federal laws protect.
0: Matt, uh, about a minute here. When the case was argued, Justice Kagan asked about restaurants and dry cleaners, and Justice Sotomayor about corner grocers. Is there a possibility that this opens banks up to a novel approach to hold them accountable for indirect harm from discriminatory practices?
2: And that's the exact issue that's been remanded to the 11th Circuit and uh, the lower courts to determine. Uh, and that is the reason why uh, we do not believe that the courts, like, the courts are likely to ultimately adopt uh, a proximate cause standard that allows for that, because those sorts of injuries are just too too remote, um, and that's what the, the doctrine of proximate cause is intended to prevent.
0: I want to thank our guests. That was Matthew Nelson of the law firm Warner Norcross and David Gans of the Constitutional Accountability Center talking about the Supreme Court's decision yesterday on uh, city suits against banks uh, under the Fair Housing Act.